Welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct on KALA HG2 and the 106.1 FM dial. I'm Logan Howell. With me tonight is David Meyer, as always. And also joining us tonight for our NFL Mock Draft Special is Braden Lavin, a San Ambrose student here. And we're excited to get right into it. But first, how are you guys, David? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. And Braden, how are you tonight? I'm excited and ready to get this mock draft going. It is exciting. The NFL, it's always fun. You do free agency, then you get into this mock draft season. And it's just so fun to keep up with it. It's one of the sports that kind of almost feels like it goes year-round. But before we get in to our NFL Mock Draft special tonight, we're going to look at our final athlete of the week. This month, we looked at the best NFL draft picks of all time. We've had some big names like Joe Montana, Richard Sherman, and Antonio Brown. And tonight, we end with arguably the greatest player, and not really arguably in this point anymore, the best player of all time, and that's Tom Brady. Brady was drafted 199th overall in the 6th round of the 2000 NFL Draft from the University of Michigan by the New England Patriots. He enjoyed the most decorated career in NFL history, winning 7 Super Bowls, and he's not done yet. He's a 14-time Pro Bowler, 3-time MVP, and a 3-time All-Pro. His other accomplishments include being a member of the 2000 and 2010 All-Decade teams, a 2-time Offensive Player of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year in 2009. Brady holds numerous NFL records, and when he retires, will hold every major, major passing record. Brady won his seventh Super Bowl in his first season with Tampa Bay last year, and is now preparing for his second year with the team. This week, we took a look at our, our final best NFL draft pick of all time, and we ended with the GOAT, Tom Brady. And now, we're going to enter our mock drafts here. We each have a mock draft prepared for you. Here tonight, we're going to go through the whole entire first round, picks 1 through 32. And before we get started, NFL draft season is always a fun one. You have all these rumors. You never know who's really going to go. And they tell the reporters not to tip the pick, so you have this kind of drama around the draft. We're going to go around here. We'll start with you, David. What has you the most excited about this year's draft? I'm just excited for some trades. I think it's going to be a really trade-heavy first round my best guess is the first trade would be the Falcons bouncing out of four I'm not exactly sure to where but I I have a good feeling there are going to be a lot of crazy trades this year yeah there's five quarterbacks that are projected to go in the first round I'm excited to see where they're going to go there's obviously three in the first three picks but where those next two guys are going to slide it's going to be exciting to see who's going to trade in who's going to trade out who's going to move up to get their quarterback of the future yeah, I'm 100% with you guys. Trades are going to be one of the biggest things about this draft, and it's going to be important because, like Braden said, there are five quarterbacks this year. You don't normally have five first-round quarterbacks, especially five that could realistically be gone within the top ten. What I'm most excited about being a 49ers fan is I no longer have to watch ESPN every day trying to tell me, oh, it's going to be this quarterback today, this quarterback tomorrow. I'll finally have that answer. And with that, we're going to get right in to our mock draft here. Jacksonville Jaguars now on the clock. David, who do you have them taking at number one overall? After waiting nine minutes and 59 seconds, they're going to call in with Trevor Lawrence. It's the obvious pick. I, My personal opinion here, I think he's going to bust. Just the hype is too high. The expectations are out of the world, out of this world. And I think he's going to uh, crumple under those uh, high expectations, but... He's still going number one overall. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, consensus 
pick for everybody, I think. He's one of the best quarterback prospects that any of us has ever seen. He's tall at 6'6". He's got some speed out of the, the backfield to make him that dual-threat guy, not like Lamar or Russ or Deshaun. But, I mean, he's going to be mobile, and he's got a pretty deep ball, and he's accurate all over the field with 66% completion percentage over his career at Clemson. Only threw the 17 picks in three years, so, I mean, it's an obvious pick. He's going to hopefully turn that Jags franchise around. I don't think anybody's really arguing the number one overall pick. Yeah, for me, I think it's the same way. I'm going with Lawrence, and I think it's been Trevor Lawrence since he stepped foot into Clemson. Everyone knew he'd be the number one guy, and my comparison for him is Andrew Luck, who also went number one overall from Stanford, and he also was kind of, when he walked into Stanford, that unanimous number one overall pick as soon as he stepped in there. And it is going to be interesting if he can live up to the hype. The Jacksonville Jaguars aren't a set roster. They don't have a bunch of talent. They're a good team. I think they're going to get better with Lawrence, but they don't have all the talent in the world. So are they going to be good enough to help Lawrence right away? They do have another pick in the first round they'll get to a little bit later. That pick they also have to hit on. But now just speaking about Lawrence, talked about his mobility. And one thing I love about him is his accuracy under pressure. Pressure doesn't really get to Trevor Lawrence. He's always kind of able to still complete passes deep downfield intermediate with people in his face which is something a lot of quarterbacks struggle with and it also steps into his pocket presence he's so good just moving around the pocket and you it doesn't have to be takeoff for 60 yards which he can do he's done against Ohio State but he does have that presence to move around he's got a real pretty spiral great ball placement he always knows one play that sticks out to me it was about two seconds left for halftime. He just floats one at the back of the end zone, up where only Justin Ross could get it. It was into a bunch of coverage, but only Ross was going up there to get it. So just good ball placement with him. Some weaknesses of his I think he has is one thing that sticks out to me, and it may be a little of an unpopular opinion, is his ability to be a difference maker in big games. We've seen in the Ohio State game two years ago, they should have probably lost that game. Justin Fields outplayed him. He made the long run at the end, but the touchdown that won the game was a dump off to Travis Etienne, who he took at the distance. And then you see him lose to LSU. And then you come back this year against Ohio State this year, and he does lose, and he doesn't have that great of a game. Is that something that's going to continue as we see him into his NFL career? We have to wait and see, but I think that's going to be his biggest thing is can he be that difference maker in those big games? Now, the New York Jets are on the clock. Number two overall pick. David, who do you have them taking here? I'm going Zach Wilson, quarterback, the most important position on the field at any given time. And the the Jets have really gone for this full rebuild. And I think Zach Wilson is a great guy to, like, really, that's the framework of what they're going to do moving forward. And I think that's a pretty solid framework. Uh good big throw ability he's got a strong arm and keeps away from the turnovers I really like that so I think Zach Wilson's gonna be the picket too yeah starting off the Rob Sala era strong Zach Wilson at quarterback they traded Sam Darnold so they need their franchise guy he's not quite the physical freak that Lawrence is he's a little bit shorter but he is super athletic out of the backfield he has a huge arm like David said he's really good deep ball 69% completion percentage in 2020 that's amazing he doesn't turn the ball over and he's got that not saying he's going to be Rodgers and Mahomes but he's got that ability to make the off platform throws on the run left and right off one foot and he has them with good velo right on the money all the time so I think that's a it's a big quality to have in a quarterback especially one you want to start your franchise out with so I think 
the Jets get a strong uh, guy here to start their quarterback and start the new era of the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, if you're Robert Sala and you're this new coaching staff here, you have to hit on this pick right away. This sets the tone of your tenure with the New York Jets, especially in a market like New York. You have to nail this pick. And that's why I have them also going Zach Wilson. And other than Trevor Lawrence, he is my favorite quarterback out of this draft class. I've had my eye on him for a while now. I've been big on him throughout the process. He's accurate. Like you guys talked about, the off-platform throws. He has great velocity. He can make any throw on the field, and his best ability is his deep ball. But also, he's athletic, and he's a good runner. He's not a guy who's going to run it all the time, but he picks and chooses when he does decide to run the football and normally gets nice chunk runs when he does decide to do that. And one of the things I love about Zach Wilson is you normally have positions, quarterback, running back, all this. He's just a playmaker. I mean, I know he can't receive and he rushes the football, but he can't necessarily receive the football. But he still just makes so many plays. When things kind of look like, oh, this is going to be a little dump down, he's rolling out to his right, all of a sudden he slings it back across the field to the left side for 15 yards. I mean, he just makes plays. He plays football like he's playing flag football against his friends. That's what he's able to do with D1 college football. Some of his weaknesses... In his biggest moments in college football, the games where he played ranked teams, he actually performed his worst. His worst games came against ranked teams during his time at BYU. And also, BYU has had a really good offensive line while he's been there. I believe they were one or two in the nation this year in terms of offensive line protection. So those are two things you have to look for for Zach Wilson. But I've been a big fan of his. My comparison for him is actually Russell Wilson. No, not because, just the last name. But also, when you see Russell Wilson... He's a guy who's a very good athlete and picks and chooses when he's going to run the football. He's not going to run it at this high clip like Lamar Jackson, but he's going to pick and choose, and he's a playmaker. He makes big plays for the Seahawks when it doesn't really seem like much is there. I've for a long time called Russell Wilson a magician because that's exactly what he does. He really just he pulls out all these big plays when Seattle needs them the most. I think that's what the Jets can get here in Zach Wilson. Next up here, we have the San Francisco 49ers. They moved up to number three overall after a trade with the Miami Dolphins. David, who do you have the Niners taking at third overall? This is, in the draft, definitely where people start to go in different directions. And I think this is the best choice to be made. San Francisco going with Justin Fields. He's just, I think he's better than Trey Lance or Mac Jones. And I think he has a higher ceiling. And he's going to come in week one and be just a better quarterback. The biggest worry is he has uh, one of the thrower, one of the slower throws, getting the ball out of his hands. So that's kind of a worry. But San Francisco did add a bunch of offensive line help, so I think that kind of balances out. And he also adds a lot of athleticism and rushing that Kyle Shanahan's going to love to use. So. Justin Fields is the pick at three. Yeah, I have Fields as well here. Uh, on and off the field, I think Justin Fields is a winner, and he's a leader. You saw him in the semifinal game this year get a helmet right to the side, go off to the sideline, get it wrapped up, and he's right back in there going back and playing. In 2019, he threw 40 touchdowns and to three picks. I mean, that's unreal in a full season. They didn't have a full season this year, so I don't really go off those stats, but Last year, he was amazing. And going to San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan will do any of the three quarterbacks wonders. So I think Fields, he's got 4-4-40 speed. I mean, that's incredible for a quarterback. And Kyle Shanahan's never really had a running quarterback before. So I think he takes a shot on him here. 
Like David said, I think he's the best option at three, but I don't think you can really go wrong with him or Lance. In my opinion, trading up to three to get Mac Jones is not what I would do, but I'm also not an NFL head coach and GM, so I got Justin Fields going at three. Yeah, I like Justin Fields to San Francisco. That's my preferred pick for the 49ers there at three. Um, I have the Niners going to Trey Lance, and I had them going to Trey Lance for a few different reasons. One is when Trey Lance was with North Dakota State, he actually called his own protections for the offensive line. That's one thing Kyle's going to like. His athleticism, Trey Lance is the elite runner out of this whole entire group. He's the guy that is going to be the read option, more tendency to run it like Lamar Jackson. But another thing that sticks out about Trey Lance, and I love, is his deep ball. He has that type of Russell Wilson kind of moon ball. He can just put it up there and drop it in a bucket. And that's one of those things that when you see it, it's like, okay, nice throw. But really how hard it is to just drop the ball in over the outstretched hands of a corner into the receiver's hands, but drop it in like it's a bucket, almost like a punt. Just lay it in there. Not many quarterbacks can actually do that. And that leads me into another great thing that he does. He has great touch with the football. He knows when he needs to put some velocity on it, but he's able to sometimes just lay it up there and give his receiver a chance to go get it. Because contested catches are hard for NFL receivers, and the quarterback helps them out a lot by putting in a position where they can actually make that catch. It's not just tossing it up there. Trey Lance does a very good job of doing that. And also, a lot of reports have said that he's by far the smartest quarterback out of this draft class in terms of understanding the game which is interesting because that's going to help his draft stock out a lot considering he only played one game this year and it was by far his worst game in college football. But some of his weaknesses when you look at Trey Lance, his ability to make those quick decisions, kind of like uh, David talked about with Justin Fields, he's a guy that likes to hold on to it a little bit longer, but when you are just 19 years old when you're playing most of your college football, you still have plenty of time to develop. That And I think Kyle Shanahan's going to help him out a lot with that because Kyle Shanahan has people running wide open. It's just, hey, put the ball here, put the ball there. That's really going to give Trey Lance time to develop. Another thing is his competition, and it gets brought up every year when you have a guy like Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, who are coming from these smaller FCS schools. It's always brought up, can he play against these bigger NFL teams when he didn't go up against the best competition? I think he can. I think Trey Lance has what it takes. And my comparison for him is actually Colin Kaepernick, a former 49ers quarterback. And that's because just like Trey Lance, they both were elite runners. They had a lot of athleticism, a very good deep ball. And at times, accuracy is not their biggest thing for them. They do struggle with accuracy at times, but it's not an every down thing. They're very fun quarterbacks to watch. And when I watch Trey Lance, I see a lot of Colin Kaepernick in his game. Next up here is the Atlanta Falcons at number four. David, who do you have them taking? I think Atlanta would really like to add defense here because it's just their defense is not good. But at four, there isn't someone I would want to take or I think is valuable enough on defense to take it four. So they go just offense all the way. Kyle Pitts is the best non-quarterback in this draft, I think. And you talked a little bit about it with Zach Wilson being a playmaker. Kyle Pitts is just a playmaker. He's just a fantastic receiver. He can play any position he wants. Route running is phenomenal. And you have him lined up with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. He's going to be open all the time. And that offense is just going to click like crazy. And I think he's going to have a really big year. 
with Atlanta. Yeah, I'm picking Pitts here too. It's only fitting on National Superhero Day that they pick a superhero of their own. Uh, he's six six, moves like a running back at four 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 forty. Yeah, I mean, you put him at tight end, he can block. You spread him out wide, he can catch it. You can go up and catch it. You put him in the slot, he's gonna get open over the middle. No linebacker in the league or safety is gonna be able to guard this guy. And you put him in with one of the best wide receivers that we've ever seen play in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and a serviceable quarterback and Matt Ryan and their new head coach. I think Atlanta's offense is going to be an absolute nightmare for defenses to match up against. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is unique, a tight end that we haven't seen in a long time. I think he's going to do wonders for that team moving forward. Yeah, I have Kyle Pitts here too. And like David said, I want a defense here. But this is the one of the first drafts where there's not been an elite defensive player where it's okay. You know this guy's going to go early. In the last few years, we've had Nick Bosa, Quinn Williams, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. But we really don't have that this year. So... I have them also going Kyle Pitts, and he's just so, he's very elite at so many different things. One of the things that sticks out to me is he's just a go-get-it guy. Kyle Trask so many times this year just put it up there, and he'd go up in double coverage, and he uses his size so, so well, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He goes up there and makes all these very contested catches, and then you think, okay, well, he has to be a little bit slower then if he's going up there at 6'6", six, six, making all these plays. No, he'm very fast. Still runs a 4'4", 4'5", and... You have a wide receiver in a tight end build. He can run the routes, like David said. He can get open with the best of them. No one can guard him, like Braden said. And then you look at it when you put it in with Atlanta. I really hope they don't trade Julio Jones because I'd love to see that offense together. I know that's the big rumor going around right now is Julio Jones getting traded. I would love for them to keep Julio Jones because then you have three very reliable targets. And this would be the best offensive weaponry that Matt Ryan's had in his whole career. And Matt Ryan was an MVP in 2016. And other than his reliability, I mean, he makes tough, difficult catches across the middle, catches in contact. He makes all those. And when I was looking for a weakness for Kyle Pitts, I sat there and thought about it. I couldn't come up with any. I realistically don't know what you could knock Kyle Pitts for right now. He's just so big, so fast, and he catches the football at such a high rate. My comparisons I have for him, if you want to compare him as a tight end, why not compare him to the most athletic tight end I've ever seen in Vernon Davis, who is an athletic freak coming out of Maryland. And if you want to compare him to a wide receiver, this is a little bit lofty if I if he'll ever get there, but just pure size, pure speed, this dude's like Calvin Johnson. He really is. Just his ability to go up there and get it there 40 times. I believe Calvin ran a 4.38, and I believe Kyle Pitts is in the 4.4 range. So when you have that close, their build, same, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, that's what you're playing with right now. It's possible Calvin Johnson, Vernon Davis mix right now for Matt Ryan. I think you can't pass that up if you're the Falcons. I know it's very intriguing to move back, but adding a guy like Kyle Pitts, that's your future. That's your big weapon moving forward. Next up here, fifth overall pick, the Cincinnati Bengals. David, who do you have them taking? The Bengals have really a choice between offensive line or wide receiver. I'm going offensive line with Penny Sewell because I think in this draft, there's a lot of depth at wide receiver. And with their uh, high first round, high second round pick, they'll be able to get first round talent at, at wide receiver, even in the second round. Sewell is, okay, I said this about Kyle Pitts, but I think Sewell is the best non-quarterback in the draft it's not super easy to see talent on the offensive line but this guy has 
incredible talent all over every aspect of his game. Run blocking, pass blocking. He's going to throw pancakes all around. Not going to let any pressure in. The only knock on him is his arms are a little shorter than you'd like. But he's going to get past that with his fantastic footwork. You have to go offensive line if you're the Bengals. Because we saw it last year. Joe Burrow got hit all the time and got injured. You have to protect him this year. Go Penny Sewell. Yeah, I'm going to do Penny Sewell too. Uh, you saw it in the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes running for his life with no protection. Chiefs go out and they've spent a ton of money in free agency. They trade for Orlando Brown and they protect Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow is your guy moving forward. He's coming off an ACL injury. He was hit a ton his rookie year. You have to go Sewell and protect him on the offensive line. He's 6'6", 330, and he moves like a freak. And he's super flexible. You play him inside a guard position, you put him outside, and play him at right or left tackle and move him around with Jonah Williams. I think this is the pick that will cement the offensive line and protect Joe Burrow for years to come. You have to pick Panay Sewell here. Yeah, so I love everything you guys said about Panay Sewell. And I also thought Panay Sewell. Then I thought, who are we messing with here? We're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. So I went Jamar Chase with it. I went Joe Burrow getting him another weapon. I'm with David. There's better weapon, not better weaponry, but there's other weapons you can get later on that I think will also be very good for Joe Burrow. But putting him back with his college teammate, I don't think either of them are going to be too upset about that. Jamar Chase is just so good at high-pointing the football. He gets it at its highest point. He's a possession receiver across the middle type of guy. He's going to make the tough catches. He'll take you down the sideline every now and then. But he's more of a possession receiver. He's able to create his separation through his physicality. He's a very physical receiver, especially at the line of scrimmage. He's able to break press so easily, so reliable. I mean, how many times do you see Joe Burrow just toss it up to him at LSU, and now he's going to have that opportunity again? Down the red zone, he'll be their best target. Now that A.J. Green is in Arizona, he doesn't ever drop the football. Some of the weaknesses of Jamar Chase, in my opinion— are his top end and his breakaway speed. Um, we've seen him have some of those big plays, but just consistent top end and breakaway speed's not always there. Um, I know his 40 time came in, I believe it was a 4-4, four, 4-3, four, uh, four, somewhere in there. But a lot of these 40 times have been a lot quicker than they would have been at the combine. I think he realistically would have came in in a low 4-4, four, four, if not an early 4-5 uh, at his 40, just off of watching him. But my comparison for him... Not a bad one if you want to be a good NFL receiver. DeAndre Hopkins, he does all the same things so well. Great at high-pointing the football, a possession receiver, gets his separation through physicality, and doesn't drop the football. If you're a receiver and you're a possession receiver, who do you want to be in this league? I'm pretty fair to say DeAndre Hopkins is the guy I'd like to be. So for me, I have the Bengals going Jamar Chase, reuniting him with Joe Burrow. Now, number sixth overall, the Miami Dolphins moved back from 3-12 to 12 and then traded up to 6th overall with the Philadelphia Eagles, and now they are on the clock. David, who do you have them taking? I have them taking Jamar Chase. This is, I think, right where he belongs at around 6 or 7. I believe he's more talented than Devontae Smith. You just talked about him a bunch. He's going to be a fantastic receiver for Tua. And that's what Miami needs. They need to put talent around Tua to win. Their defense is there. I think they could probably add a little bit to the offensive line, but there is good offensive line depth 
in the second and third rounds. They can so going here, taking that kind of big swing on Jamar Chase, gonna have a great career in the NFL if he can develop, of course. But you have a sophomore QB and a rookie wide receiver, you can go forward with that and this team is gonna do great. So Jamar Chase at six. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Jamar Chase as well. He's you guys have talked about him a lot, so he's the best wide receiver in the class in my opinion. He's got a really good frame at six foot, but he's got great hands and he can go up and pinpoint it like Logan said and bring it down. He's got a good catch radius. I mean you put it up, the guy's gonna go get it. His hands are great, his slot his slot presence is great, his outside presence is great. He can go up and get the ball like everybody's been saying. Constantly constantly get open for Tua, which is something that didn't happen a lot for the Dolphins last year with Parker and Williams. So I think Chase has to be the pick here and get Tua a weapon, get him comfortable back in the pocket, and have a better year than last year and let him play. And I think Jamar Chase will do him wonders to, for years to come. Yeah, Jamar Chase with Tua would be a great connection. But I actually, with Chase going at five, I'm going to switch with you guys. I have Sewell going at six there. Miami says, okay, Chase was our guy. He's no longer on the board. Let's go Panay Sewell, who, like David said, one of the best players in this draft. Top three non-quarterback within this draft. And the thing about him is, if you're the Miami Dolphins, you can't pass him up. He kind of fell into your lap at this point in my mock draft. He's a franchise player, best offensive tackle. David alluded to it. He's quick. He's got great feet. And normally when you're a guy like that, you're not normally a mauler type on the offensive line, but he's that too. He really encompasses everything you want from an offensive tackle, and he fits every scheme. You could plug him into any scheme, a zone run scheme, a power run scheme, a passing front. It doesn't matter. He fits everything. At his size at 6'4 and a half, and then also you look at just how big he is. Not many left tackles are built like that these days. And my comparison for him is Trent Williams, a guy who's a very athletic tackle with good feet and quick. Now, Trent Williams prefers to play within the zone run scheme, but when Trent Williams gets out in space, he's an absolute mauler. He has his own highlight videos on YouTube of him pancaking guys, him chasing safeties down to go block them. I think Panay Sewell can have that type of career and be a franchise Hall of Fame left tackle and the Miami Dolphins just had him fall into their lap in my mock draft. You absolutely have to take him at that point if you're the Dolphins. Next up here, seventh overall pick, the Detroit Lions. David, who do you have here? I'm going Jalen Waddle. I think a lot of guys, a lot of predictions for the Lions are with Devontae Smith. And there's no slight to him. But I have the Lions kind of going against that, which is a very Lions thing to do. He's just incredibly fast. I, He's going to stretch the field, give you a lot of space to do a bunch of different things. He's going to open up space for TJ Hawkinson, and it's going to help Jared Goff be a better quarterback than he would normally be in this Lions system. I don't think he's going to have huge stats like some of the other guys. And one of the knocks on him is he had a lot of talent surrounding him at wide receiver. So some defensive pressure off of him. But I think he can really stretch out that field. And if Jared Goff can get more comfortable throwing him the ball deep, it's going to be very helpful at number seven. 
Yeah, I have Waddle as well, and Lions had a tough offseason. They had to trade Matthew Stafford. They lost Kenny Galladay. They lost Marvin Jones. So they're going to need somebody to put the ball in their hands and let them make plays. They have the, uh, DeAndre Swift, and they have TJ Hawkinson, but they need another guy, and Waddle is explosive with the ball. He's like a more built Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's fast. You put the ball in his hands, he's going to make plays. And I think had it not been for his injuries at Alabama – I think he would be the number one receiver without a doubt, and I, he might have even won Heisman over Devontae Smith. I think he's a little bit better than Devontae Smith, but uh, he had some early problems in his career with uh, dropping the ball and not having precise route running, but I think that vastly improved over his time and getting to work with all those guys, and I think he'll be a good addition for Jared Goff in that offense moving forward and be like that centerpiece. I, I am worried about his injuries, but... If he can get over those injuries, I think that'll be a really versatile piece to add to that offense for Jared Goff and the Lions. Yeah, Jared Goff would greatly enjoy Jalen Waddle. Um, I don't know if Jared Goff has really played with a guy like that before who's just pure speed and just pure ability like that. He normally Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, even Sammy Watkins for a bit there. He hasn't played with a guy of his caliber, so that would be a good fit there. And now it's time for my favorite part of mock drafts. I have my first trade. I have the New England Patriots coming up from 15, now up to 7 with the Detroit Lions. Patriots looking for a quarterback. They go Justin Fields here. They can't believe that he made it this far. And so now they're going to snag him up here at 7 overall. There's so much to like about Justin Fields. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be, there's a good argument to be said that he could be the best quarterback to come out of this class, depending on where he ends up. His accuracy is off the charts. His mobility is very underrated. I almost think he should run more often than he does because he does have that ability. And he's just a leader. One play that sticks out to me against Michigan State, Trey Sermon took an inside zone carry and took off down the right sideline. Justin Fields ran 60 yards down the field to go make a lead block for Trey Sermon so he could score a touchdown. He's tough. Braden talked about the Clemson game. Also, the Michigan game, where he hurt his knee, goes to the sideline, puts a brace on, comes back in, and throws a game-winning touchdown to beat their Ohio State's biggest rival in college football in Michigan. He wins games. He's been a winner his whole career. Everyone talks about Trevor Lawrence and how great he is. At every level, Justin Fields has beat Trevor Lawrence so far. Elite 11 in high school. Justin Fields won, and he won MVP college Justin Fields beat Trevor Lawrence I know Lawrence also beat him but Justin Fields had his best game ever against Trevor Lawrence in that matchup when they needed him the most and one thing I love about his deep ball it's a little bit different than Trey Lance Trey Lance kind of has that moon ball Justin Fields has really good velocity on his deep passes and he gets them it's kind of just puts them right in there and that helps him when he especially down in the red zone when he's trying to put a back shoulder fade in there you see Justin Fields do that quite a bit a couple weaknesses of his, and David brought this up. It's his reaction time and getting the football out. And that's in part two, Ohio State's system that they run. Ohio State has a weird offense where they run a lot of choice routes. And Justin Fields actually has to wait on those receivers to break one way so he's able to throw them the ball. And it's not like, okay, I know you're going here. I can throw with anticipation. He has to wait them out, feel them out create that chemistry and that I think that leads into this reaction time being a little bit slower I think you get him into an offense that's quick paced and get the ball out quickly he'll fit right in and my comparison for him is Dak Prescott a lot of these things I talked about with Justin Fields Dak Prescott is as well mobile could run more is a leader he's accurate he's tough and he wins football games so for me 
Justin Fields, you look at what he had around him, I wouldn't call it elite talent like these other quarterbacks. Most of these other quarterbacks have at least a couple elite pieces. I wouldn't say Justin Fields has had an elite piece around him. His best receiver, in my opinion, is probably Chris Olave. And Chris Olave is a good receiver, but he'll probably be a second round, early second round guy, late first next year. It's not like he'll be a top five pick like possibly Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. So for me, Justin Fields falls to seven here. And New England gets very lucky here because I don't think they would have expected him to get here. But he made it in my mock draft. We're going to take our next, our first break here on Sportsmanlike Conduct. When we come back, we will start with pick number eight and keep rolling through our mock draft. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into When Sportsmanlike Conduct on KALA HD2 and the 106.1 FM dial. I'm Logan Howe. With me is David Meyer and also tonight, Braden Lavin, as we continue our NFL mock draft special. And we are at the eighth overall pick now, the Carolina Panthers. Just trade away Teddy Bridgewater. David, what do you have them doing at 8th overall? I have them going defense. First defensive player off the board, Patrick Sertan II. He's just technically sound. He's good overall, and I think he could be a really good lockdown corner. Just a guy you can put a lot of trust in at that position. He's not super outstanding at any one thing, but he's... A good physical guy, around 208, 6'2". He has good speed in his 40. And I think he's just a good overall talent at a position of need for the Panthers. Their secondary was mediocre last season, and I think he really elevates that. So I have them going Patrick Sertan the second. Yeah, I got Sertan here at 8'2". Uh, he's got great size and he's quick. Yeah, he's really good in the press coverage. You saw it all the time at Alabama. He was up at the line of scrimmage, pressing the receivers. And he's quick enough to, if he gets beat off the break, he make up for that with his makeup speed. He's got really good football IQ with seeing route combinations before they happen, being able to jump those. He's got great ball hawk skills and going to get the interceptions. I think he's above average in tackling, and he's great in the open field, those long arms that he has. And he's just able to make up for mistakes that he makes by swatting the ball away or getting the open field tackle. So he had a 4-6. I think he had him at a 4-4-6-40, and he's got good speed. He's going to have a ton of success in a secondary in Carolina that was really bad last year. So I think they need a guy that can step in there and be a cornerback, two borderline corner, cornerback one for him right away. So I think Sertan's a good pick here for him. Yeah, the duo of Sertan and Dante Jackson would be a very interesting one in that secondary. Dante Jackson with all the speed in the world, and then Sertan kind of more the physical dude. That definitely would be a good pairing. For me, the Carolina Panthers traded a lot of picks for Sam Darnold. Why not keep building around Darnold? Because that appears the route that they're going to go here. I have them taking Devontae Smith, receiver from Alabama. And with Devontae Smith, what's interesting about him is he always is open. He's always creating separation. He's a good route runner. And I, you could argue that he's the best in the class in terms of route running. And also what surprises me about a guy that my concerns for him are his size. What One thing that sticks out to me, though, is he's very good at contested catches for how small he is. How many times did we see Mac Jones toss it up to him, him go up, climb the ladder, and make the big play? And you have a guy who can make these contested catches for you. His speed is off the charts. He's very fast. And he's just one of those dudes. He's a playmaker in space. You get him the football, and he makes big plays. When you saw that championship run, 
that Alabama went on both playoff games. The first one against Notre Dame, touchdowns very early. Then the second time, touchdowns very early once again. And it's not like very long touchdowns, but just like 10-yard in route and let Devontae Smith do the rest. Obviously, like I said, his size is a bit concerning, and his ability to stay healthy is also going to be a concern at this next level. He's a smaller receiver, and we've seen smaller speed receivers get hurt quite a bit. His former teammate, Henry Ruggs, dealt with injuries this year. John Ross, a guy who had all the speed in the world, couldn't stay healthy. So those are my concerns for him. And my comparison for him, when I looked at this receiver, I said, I have to find a receiver that constantly creates separation, is a very good route runner, can make some contested catches, and is just an absolute playmaker. One name came to mind right away, Stephon Diggs. Obviously, Devontae Smith is faster than Stephon Diggs, but in terms of route running, always being open, creating separation, contested catches, and fast, playmaker in space. I think it's like Stephon Diggs. It's, it's a very good description of Diggs and what he does, and I thought Devontae Smith fit that. He just has the speed to go with it, but Diggs is a little bit bigger. So we're going to see, is the speed more important? Or is a little bit bigger of a build more important if he can't stay healthy? Next team we have up here is the Denver Broncos at ninth overall. David, who do you have them taking? I have them going with Mac Jones. Elway and tall white quarterbacks are a match made in heaven. That's the biggest reason for the Broncos taking Mac Jones. I don't think they're fully sold on Drew Locke, and they want competition. Mac Jones is my least favorite of the five quarterbacks that are going to go in the top 15, top 10 maybe. But he he's just physically not as good as the other players, as the other quarterbacks. But I think he's the best game manager, which is helpful, but it's not the most important thing. He's going to run an offense well. He's going to make smart choices. But I don't think he has the best arm or the best mobility. In fact, he's probably the least mobile quarterback in the first round. So I think he could be pretty solid. He he has the highest floor, but the lowest ceiling for me. Yeah, I have my first trade here with the New England Patriots trading up, but I have Trey Lance going. And I think he's the most raw quarterback in the class, and he's only 20 years old, so could take him a couple years to develop and get used to playing at a high level because he was at North Dakota State, so you're not playing the toughest competition there. But I could see this as another like Josh Allen-type pick where if Lance can develop into what people think he can be, it's going to be a really good pick. And as Logan said earlier about Lance, he's got the deep moon ball like Russ, and he's like Colin Kaepernick, the guy who's just a true dual dual threat in the league. Uh, I love that he limited his turnovers. He had one interception, I believe, in his two or three years starting at North Dakota State, and it was his only game he played this year. So, And he uses his leg necessarily, nece- when necessary, but not at too much of a rate to where he could get hurt. His accuracy needs work, but it, that, I think that's a great problem to have coming into the NFL because that stuff can be taught. You can pinpoint the ball, and you can get uh, taught that. You can't teach arm strength, and that is what he has. And I think going to New England with Cam Newton will be huge for his development because him and Cam are similar and that they're dual-threat guys, but Cam is a little bit bigger, obviously. But I think learning Cam and learning the system with Cam could be huge for his development in New England moving forward. Yeah, obviously quarterback is a need there for Denver. You saw them trade for Teddy B, but at the same time, the contract's very you're very able to get out of that deal that you made for Teddy Bridgewater. 
So that's something interesting to watch. For me, I have them going corner back. I have them going with what I think, who I think is the best corner in this draft personally for me, J.C. Horn. And J.C. Horn's a guy that I like a lot because opted out um, a little bit into this season, but had a good season up until he did opt out. But when you look at his tape overall, he's a really good man-to-man corner. He doesn't have the size that Patrick Suratan has, but he's still very physical at the line. I think he's the best corner. He's excellent at preventing jump balls, especially down the red zone in terms of touchdown opportunities. He's very good at playing through the receiver and just has a nose for the football. I mean, tipped passes, those are his. He makes those plays. And that's the type of corner you want, especially if you're the Denver Broncos, who used to have the no-fly zone. J.C. Horn would fit in very well with that team. Obviously, that team's not there anymore, but J.C. Horn's just that type. He's man-to-man guy, plays well through the receivers, and just gets those interceptions. My concerns about him obviously opted out shortly into this past season. Could that affect him this year? It could. I don't think it will, but it's a possibility that that could a year off. And then also one thing I'd like out of him, just a little bit more physicality in terms of tackling. Man-to-man physicality-wise, he's great. But in terms of coming up, making a tackle, I'd like to see him be more physical in the run-stop game. For me, my comparison for him is the Jackrabbit, Janoris Jenkins. And Janoris Jenkins is the guy that now he's kind of fallen off a little bit, and we don't think of him as high of regard as we used to. But at one time, Janoris Jenkins was a top-five corner, top-ten corner in the NFL when he was with the Rams his last year. Therefore, he left and signed a big contract. That's what I see with J.C. Horn, just good man-to-man corner. And that's exactly what Janoris Jenkins was in his time with the Rams. Now... We have Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys up with the 10th overall pick. David, who do you have them taking? I have them going Caleb Farley. They desperately need defense. Their defense was, to me, the worst in the league last year, and they need help in the secondary. I think Farley is just a little bit better than J.C. Horn. Either way, I could... I have them going cornerback. It could be either of the two. There are some worries about Farley who just had back surgery, but as a press corner, he is just more talented. He has a lot of size that's going to really impact the game and every pass that's thrown his way. So I think the Cowboys are going to go with Caleb Farley. I have the Cowboys going corner too, but I have them going with J.C. Horn. Logan talked about him a little bit, but I think he's the second best corner, borderline first best corner the way you look at it. He's got good size, good speed. He's a great man corner. He can play press. He can drop back. He can play zone. And that basically allows him to – you can put him wherever you want. He has great tracking with the receiver, and he doesn't. but he doesn't produce a lot of interceptions. He only had two in his career, and I know he opted out this year. But, you know, that might be because he's not getting thrown at a ton because he's covering the guys up. You don't really know. One thing I had – with him that I noticed when I was watching his film is he can get really sloppy with his footwork and he got a lot of uh, pass interference holding calls thrown on him during the game this year and he was playing in a very competitive league but you know when you get in the NFL every team's got a number one receiver and if you're going 10 overall you're going to be a top corner on a team so if he can tighten up the sloppiness and I think this pick will be huge for the Cowboys because they have a very bad secondary, like David said, and you put them next to Diggs, him and Diggs. there with a first- and second-year guy. I think the Cowboys have a really good secondary moving forward. Yeah, for me, I have corner as well, and I have it being Patrick Sertan. Uh, Diggs and Sertan now are going to be back together. 
in Dallas. And what I like about Sertan's obviously his size. I think he's a very underrated tackler. He's very good at coming downhill and stopping the run. Has really good ball skills. And one thing I'd like to see a little bit more of him, it seems more often than not he's playing through the receiver instead of more playing the ball. I'd like to see him play through and get the ball a little bit more, but his ability to fly downhill is something you cannot ignore. I think he's going to be a very good corner as long as he gets into the right system. And I think there's a lot to like about him, but there are some weaknesses with him. I have some question marks in terms of his long-range speed. Can he keep up on a deep shot with a Tyreek Hill-esque? And not necessarily Tyreek Hill because no one will, but a quicker receiver down the sideline. And some of those quicker, shorter receivers, can he? does he have the ability to go down into the slot and be an every-down, man-to-man corner like we see Jalen Ramsey do? Jalen Ramsey is a top 10 corner just a few years ago. Do you expect, expect him to be like that? If you're a top 10 pick, yeah, but I don't know if any corner can necessarily do that at the rate that Jalen Ramsey is. My comparison for him is Richard Sherman, a guy with good size, very good tackler, good ball skills, and flies downhill within the run, is not afraid. And Richard Sherman is obviously the best tackling corner we've seen this past decade, if not the best corner we've seen this past decade. Sertan has that ability. He just has to get coached up. Dan Quinn has worked with Richard Richard Sherman excuse me, before. i got to see him work well with Patrick Sertan. It's got to happen. Next pick we have here is the New York Giants at number 11. David, who do you have them taking? I have them going with Devontae Smith. He's similar to Jalen Waddle, but a little more refined. He doesn't have the raw physical abilities that Waddle does, but he's a better route runner. He's Those routes are a little crisper, and I don't think he's going to drop the ball as much. And something that I think the Giants are going to really value is even though it shouldn't really matter all that much, I think they they care that he is a Heisman Trophy winner. You add Devontae Smith in with uh, Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay, I think your offense is going to be a lot more successful, and it signals to me that the Giants are really committing to Daniel Jones. I have the Giants going defense here. I have them taking Jalen Phillips on the edge. I think they could go backer, but I think they decided to go for the edge. And Jalen Phillips is really good for not having much experience at the position. But he brings a lot to the table for a Giants team that's really emerging as one of the favorites for the NFC East, probably the favorites at this point. But they need to sure up that defensive line, and I think Phillips really has a strong physical aspect to him that is going to complement Leonard Williams very well on the inside or outside. He's got a really good burst off the uh, line. He's not quite as quick as I would want, but, I mean, he is still He's getting out there. And he's got really long hands or long arms. And I wish he would initiate contact more at the point and stay low and use those arms to push forward. But, I mean, he needs to work on a few things on the defensive edge because, like I said, he is a bit raw at the position. But I think he would be a really good get for the Giants here at 11 and really help that defense. Yeah, for me at 11, I'm going to go receiver as well. I'm going to go the best available option, and that's Jalen Waddle at the position. And what I love about Jalen Waddle is obviously everyone likes his deep speed that he has, but for me, it's the quick burst that he has. He gets the ball in his hands, and he can really get going right away. Within five, If you have a five-yard separation from Jalen Waddle, he's going to outrun you every single time, especially if you can leave Jalen Waddle flat-footed 
and he can still get past you. He's that fast. And just like Devontae Smith, he's a guy that's always open. And I give him mad props for coming back in that national championship game when he didn't need to with that injury. But those are some of the things I like about Jalen Waddle. The concerns are the injury. He came back from it, but he was injured, and that's it was a pretty major injury. And my another question I have for him is his size, but also can he beat bracket coverage? At Alabama, you couldn't necessarily bracket Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle when they're both on the field. Now with the Giants, you most definitely can. You can try to take away his speed with bracket coverage. Can he beat that? I think that's going to be my biggest key for him. My comparison for him, I wanted a guy, and Jalen Waddle's faster than this player, but I wanted a guy who just has outstanding quick burst speed and just is very good at moving around the football field and outrunning people once they get the ball in space. And for me, it was Odell Beckham Jr., a guy who creates separation, gets open. And Odell's like that type of guy, you throw him a five-yard slant, and it looks like he's going from 0 to 60 right away. And he's taken off up the field, just like Jalen Waddle would. Obviously, Waddle has more speed than Odell, but I think that's a pretty good comparison there in terms of the quick burst and just the constant ability to be open. Next up here, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. They moved back from 6 to 12 in a trade with the Miami Dolphins. David, who do you have them taking? I have them picking Trey Lance. I think the Eagles are just in a bad spot overall, and they want some identity to this team, and they want to do that with Trey Lance. You guys talked about earlier, he's going to take some time to develop. He's the most raw out of the top five quarterbacks, and I think it might not be the best place to develop in Philadelphia, but that's where he's going to go. Like I said, the Eagles are just a mess, but giving Trey Lance a couple years to develop behind whoever is going to be quarterback this year is going to be helpful for uh, Lance's development, and I think he's going to be pretty solid for the Eagles in a year or two. I haven't gone offense here, but I haven't gone Devontae Smith, but I also don't think you can go wrong at this pick if you're the Eagles. Like David said, they're pretty bad all around, so they could really use any help that they get. But I am taking Smith, and he's looking to be, prove all the haters wrong and become that number one in the NFL that a lot of people don't know if he can have. Like Logan said, he's a bit smaller. He's only 166 pounds, which could be some trouble in the league with the bigger DBs that they have now. But I think his footwork and his releases off the ball are really good what's going to separate him from everybody else in the league. And I think that's is going to counter those bigger DBs that come up and press him on the line. He's got great hands, and he's got a really wide catch radius. Logan said he goes up and gets the ball with the best of them. He'll make spectacular catches, and he's going to make plays for Hurts, who didn't really have a guy who made plays for him last year. And like David said, he's got nice crisp route running. And a lot like Waddle, I said with him, he get the ball in his hands, he's going to go make plays. And I think that's what Smith does. And for a guy like Hurts who didn't have a playmaker last year, if he puts the ball in Smith's hands, you know he's going to try to make a play. So I think that'll settle Hurts back a little bit and really progress him moving forward. And I think it really helps the offense and, offense and give him an identity moving forward, like David said. So I have him picking Smith here at 12. Yeah, for me at number 12, I have the Eagles going with Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. I have him going there because... Philadelphia, like you guys said, there's a lot of holes on this team, but defensively, when they won that Super Bowl, their defense was fantastic, and Nick Foles played very well to win that game too, but their defense is really what led the charge to get there. 
and they have to find a way to rebuild that. At the corner position, they have Darius Slay. You have a very good player there. Defensive line, very good player. You have Fletcher Cox. You also have Brandon Graham, who's very underrated. Linebacking core for the Philadelphia Eagles, you don't have much there. Not really much to work with. I have them going with Micah Parsons because he can step in and be that day one linebacker for you. And running that 3-4 system that they do run, he can be very interesting in how he's used. Obviously, he's a guy that stays with his reads. That's one thing I love about him is he stays with his reads at all times and he flies downhill. He's a sideline-to-sideline guy. And why I said it's interesting that using him in a 3-4, he has the ability to rush as well, whether it be up the middle in a blitz or also off the edge. He did a lot of that at Penn State. So in that 3-4 system, you can play him at that middle backer spot or at times you can drop him to the outside linebacker spot and get pressure on the quarterback. And another thing I really love about him, and it's the signs of a very good linebacker, is when they pick and choose when to hunt. And what I mean by that is you see a lot of linebackers who just love to fly downhill, make all these big hits. They have trouble staying healthy. You have to find the linebackers who pick and choose when to hunt, and they're guys who fly in there, make the plays constantly. Because one thing about big hits, it leads to more missed tackles. And one linebacker that sticks out to me in these recent drafts that a guy who did not pick and choose when to hunt was Reuben Foster and look what he's dealt with this career now injured throughout all of it always had shoulder injuries that was his biggest question was could he stay healthy in the league he couldn't so I think Micah Parsons that helps him out a lot some concerns about him he's kind of a tweener in between edge and a stand-up guy um, can you find a team that can use him the right way he's a fun piece to use on the defense but so was Isaiah Simmons, and the Cardinals found a way to kind of ruin that last year. He really wasn't used to his best abilities. And another guy that I think he looks a lot like in my comparison for him is Dante Hightower in terms of just staying on reads, sideline to sideline backer, and has the ability to rush as well as be a stand-up guy. The Patriots used him in the best way possible. Now it's Philadelphia's turn to get a defensive player and use him in the best way possible. We're going to get to one more pick here before we take our next break. That's the 13th overall pick, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers. David, who do you have them taking? I have them taking Rashawn Slater. They desperately need help on their offensive line. Gave up the third most pressures in the league. They need someone to help up out front on that offensive line. And Slater can play all five positions on the line. I think he's going to uh, be put at left tackle. That's the most important line position. But we talk, I talked about it earlier with the Bengals. You have a franchise quarterback. You have to protect them. That's what the Chargers are going to do. You have Justin Herbert. Now you're getting his protector, Rashawn Slater. Yeah, I have Slater going here as well, and I think this would be an absolute dream scenario for the Chargers when they're looking to shore up that line and protect Herbert. They got Corey Lindsay, Lindsley, but I think Slater in a tackle spot really cements that offensive line moving forward and makes that offense even better than it was last year. But much like Sewell, he's very athletic, and he can slide all over the line. Like David said, he's got really great footwork and recovery speed for off the edge. Edge rushers are fast nowadays, and Slater has that drop step to where he can create space to where that defensive edge isn't already by him before he has a chance to blink. And he played both tackle spots, so he has that versatility to him. And he played a lot of good edge rushers in the Big Ten. One comes to mind is Chase Young. And if you watch the film against him, he did very well against Chase Young, who is a premier edge rusher in the league. 
So I think I think Slater here at 13 is a steal for the Chargers and really cements their offensive line in that offense for Herbert moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think it's the first time since pick number two that we all have the same pick. I have Rashawn Slater, a tackle from Northwestern. You guys talked about athlete all over the line, protector for Justin Herbert. This is a franchise guy. I mean, this is a piece you know when you draft him, he's going to be a piece of your franchise for a very long time. And the Chargers team, you look at what they have to go up against. You talked about uh, he's pretty good against premier pass rushers. I hope you are because you have some big names coming at you. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. The Raiders also have Unique Ngakwe, and they're probably going to address edge in this draft as well at some point. They have a lot of talent in this division in terms of edge rushers, and the Chargers realize they have to keep this guy protected if they want to win games. My only concern I have for him is below average arm length, and that's something that kind of gets really overrated when you look in the draft. When you have really athletic tackles like this, and the game is changing where you want your tackles to be more athletic against these really good pass rushers or getting out in front in a zone run scheme, it's really an overrated thing to keep track of, but they still do it. My comparison for him is David Bakhtiari, a guy, a left tackle in a scheme right now, zone run scheme, athletic, can move very quick for his position as well. I've had a comparison of Bakhtiari and Trent Williams, and I give those high comparisons because I think both of these guys are franchise guys. Sewell, I think it's a little bit bold to say, but I think he's a Hall of Famer once he gets picked. He's that guy that can make the Hall of Fame. Slater, he's going to be a very good tackle in the league as well. I just don't see much bust potential with those two picks, and that's not normally something you see within the first round of the NFL draft. We're going to take our second break here on Sportsman Like Conduct. When we come back, we will continue through our NFL mock draft special. We have the Minnesota Vikings on the clock with the 14th pick. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into Sportsman Like Conduct on KALA HD2 and the 106.1 FM dial. I'm Logan Howe. With me is David Myers, always, and also joining tonight for the mock draft special is Braden Lavin. And we took a break there on the 14th overall pick held by the Minnesota Vikings. David, who do you think the Vikings come home with tomorrow night? I have them going Christian Derrissaw. They need a lineman. They need a lineman so much, it's ridiculous. Adding Derrissaw, really big, powerful run blocker. Solid pass blocking uh, tackle. Definitely a position of need, and he's going to be able to open up some holes for the run game that is so important in Minnesota. And protecting Kirk Cousins is a huge plus. The need just vastly outweighs any thoughts of best available, even though he is a very talented player. Yeah, I have him going offensive line, too. I have him going Elijah Vera Tucker. He, I have him on the inside. Uh, he's huge. He's agile. He's 300 pounds, but he's very quick on his feet. He's very smart when it comes to different stunts and twists that are coming at him through the middle. And uh, he'll be a huge, versatile lineman for the Vikings. Tucker can slide out, play tackle if need, but I like him better on the inside as a guard. Um, he can explode to the second level, which is going to be huge for the Vikings because they have such a good running back in Dalvin Cook. They don't really have a presence on the inside that can get to the second level and get on to the linebackers for Dalvin Cook to run through. Um, his footwork is a little iffy at times, and, I mean, you can see that in his film. But I think that's something you can work on over the course of time in his career with a good offensive line coach. So I don't think that's a big deal at this moment in his career, but I think it's a good pick for the Vikings at 14 to really sure up the offensive line. Yeah, I also have them going line. I have them going Elijah Vera Tucker as well. 
I mean, he's just smaller on the inside. I mean, he's a big dude. He makes plays. He really opens up holes for that USC offense. And that's one thing, too, that you alluded to, is he can play any position on that line, and you can slide them all over the place. And that's really very valuable these days, your ability to slide all over the line because you see injuries and guys fill in. Quentin Nelson, the best guard in the league, had to fill in a right tackle when the Colts needed him to in a game. Having that ability makes you instantly better. Some of my concerns for him is, like Braden said, he does have the ability to get to the second level, and he he's very explosive in doing that. I'd like to see it more consistently, more consistent second-level action from him because when he does do it, he's fantastic at it. But I'd like to see it more consistently from him. And also, when you do move him out of the tackle, he is a bigger guy. So when you see the rushers, with they use their speed rushes and they bend the edge, that's kind of his weakness is when going up into the speed guy who can bend that edge. If he can work on that, maybe playing the inside for a while, and then move his way to the outside as the Vikings need him. I think that would be a pretty good fit for him at number 14 to the Vikings. Now, number 15 overall, the New England Patriots. David, who do you have them taking? I have them picking up Micah Parsons. You talked, to him, you talked about him a little bit. Just a really smart playmaker at that linebacker position. Very versatile, which I think the Patriots are going to love. Uh, you you pretty much talked about it a lot. He can cover multiple positions in uh, pass protection or in pass defense. He can really come home and lay some big hits on runners. He's going to be very versatile in that Patriots defense. I have the Broncos pick, pick in here with the trade with the Patriots, but I have him go Michael Parsons. I think he's got great size and speed for the position. He puts puts himself in a good position to make plays. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of – he has a little trouble wrapping up sometimes in the open field, but that's just something he has to work on. His size allows him to take on blockers head-on. has great closing speed in the open field. Like you guys said, he can, he can disguise his blitzes really well and then drop back into coverage, and he gains good depth with his speed. And that allows him to cover tight ends and running backs and man coverage because he's so athletic in the middle of the field. He lays the wood, like Logan said, and he's just a good fit for the Broncos who really don't have that guy in the middle that is cemented yet. So I think this is going to be a good pick for the Broncos here at 15. Yeah, and for me, I have the Patriots picking here. I mean the Lions, excuse me, after uh, the Patriots trade up for Justin Fields. I have them going linebacker as well. But I have Jeremiah Wasu-Kormoa coming off the board here. And putting him in this Lions defense, they get everything they kind of wanted in Jared Davis, in my opinion. Jared Davis had all types of athleticism when they drafted him in 2017. Never panned out. Now they have a guy who's very, very fast, sideline to sideline guy. And his ability to shoot gaps, whether it be up the middle or coming off, not necessarily an edge rusher, but an extra guy in the line of scrimmage and rushing off the edge, he can do it all. He plays from the outside a lot. He's covering slot receivers very often. He's rolling out with running backs on wheel routes, bubbles, things like that. Some concerns that I have are that he's not lined up in the middle very much. He's not necessarily your typical middle backer. You don't see him in the middle. He's an undersized guy. I question, can he be an every down backer? He needs the right system to really use him the correct way. And it's the same type of deal with the Isaiah Simmons thing. This is an elite athlete at the linebacker position used correctly can be a difference maker because he really is kind of like a slot, a big slot corner, big safety type, uh, bigger safety type. 
that's what he can do well. Now you have to find the right system for him. My comparison for him is Miles Jack, very athletic linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars that they took in 2017 or 2016, excuse me. Miles Jack has that ability. He doesn't play on the inside all that often, but he's a guy that runs with running backs, runs with slot receivers. And Miles Jack, I would say, is more developed within the middle, but that's something that came with time. And I think you get the right system for Cormoa, and you can see him develop with time as well. Next up here, number 16 overall, we have the Arizona Cardinals. David, who do you have there? I have him going with J.C. Horn. He's slid a bit, slid a little bit in my mock draft. That ends here. The Cardinals have definitely have some problems in their secondary, and I think Horn addresses some of those. He's going to have good talent around him in that secondary, but they definitely still need help. I think he can learn a lot in the locker room with that secondary. He's a very aggressive player, and he has he'll have good help over the top. He's going to be really a ball-hawking kind of guy trying to make big plays, and I think he's going to do that really well for the Cardinals. Yeah, I also have Arizona going cornerback, but I'm going with Farley, and I have Farley slipping because of his back injury, and that's kind of concerning, but if his medical comes through, then I think it's a good gift for the Cardinals, especially for their secondary who lost Patrick Peterson this offseason and are really kind of inexperienced back there other than Byron Murphy so and Buda Baker, so I mean, it's Kind of a good position for them to take. He's long and athletic. He's 6'2". Uh, he didn't play the position a lot up until like these last couple years at Virginia Tech, but he is a ball hawk. He had four INTs this past season. Um, but, you know, he's big and long, so he can run well. He excels in zone coverage more than man-to-man, but he can run man-to-man. And he has the size if they put him in the slot to cover tight ends. But, you know, just come those, some of those techniques at playing corner with his drop step and his footwork, and that just needs to be worked on, but I think that can be worked on with the right defensive coordinator. So I have Farley going here to Arizona at 16. Yeah, for me at 16, I think secondary is a major need for them. But for me, I'm a big believer in pass rush really helps secondaries out. And for me, I went with Quiddy Pay for Michigan, the edge rusher. And what I like about Quiddy Pay is a guy, he can line up inside and outside. He's versatile, pass rusher for them. You already have Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, now you add in Quiddy Pay, and you have an elite defensive line. And one thing I really like about Quiddy Pay is he doesn't necessarily have the greatest speed around the edge, but he really uses his bull rush very well to get around the edge. It takes a little bit longer to get home, but it's a very it's an elite move that he's got going on for him. Some concerns for me are that it takes a little bit longer for him to bend around that edge. And I question, can he hold up against some of these bigger guys, these athletic tackles? Like we've seen Sewell go, we've seen Slater go. Trent Williams, a guy who he plays within his own division, can he hold up against guys like that that are just as quick as him and can really push him around for his size? That's my question mark for him, but I think it would really help out Arizona's defensive line greatly. My comparison for him is Unique Ngakwe, now of the Raiders, a guy that has pretty good speed, but he also has a nice little bull rush to him. He's more of a finesse rusher, just like Quiddy Pay is. And I think Ngakwe, he's fallen off a little bit from what we saw with him with the Jaguars. But Quiddy Pay, I think, can get to that level if he lives up to his potential here at 16th overall. 
Now the 17th overall pick is owned by the Las Vegas Raiders. David, who do you have in this spot? Who you were just talking about, Quiddy Pay. You laid it all out pretty well. So the main reason, besides all that you've talked about for him going to the Raiders, something about him just screams Gruden Grinder to me. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but he just screams Gruden Grinder, and that's that's the main reason he's going to the Raiders. And he's going to be able to wreak havoc on some offensive lines, which was definitely a big need for the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going defense as well, but I'm going Zayvon Collins at linebacker. And kind of like what David said, this guy kind of screams John Gruden. I mean, he's a he's a gritty guy at backer. He had 95 and 87 tackles his sophomore and freshman year. Uh, he needs some work on his change of direction. He looks kind of slow at times, but I think that's just kind of the nature of playing linebacker with the reads and stuff. You get he gets slow at times, but he when he knows his reads, he is fast off the ball and he can make explosive plays. He had he had four ints last year, so his coverage is improving drastically. But he um, can play off the edge as well, which is something that is kind of unique about him. But he isn't like a natural edge rusher, so that's kind of a weakness of his. So. I mean, John Gruden can move them all around, but if they can teach him how to play off the edge and drop back into coverage, I think that's a big get for the Raiders. Yeah, for me, with the Raiders, I know they added Carl Joseph back in free agency. I think they still need to add to that secondary. I had them going with Trevon Morwig, and he's a guy that, in my opinion, is very good at flying up against the run, which is something you want out of a safety. He's not necessarily a box guy, but he's someone who can fly up against the run. He can play back in single high. And also, his ability just to fly around and make open field tackles. When you want a safety, you want a guy that can do all those things. And I think he kind of fits that mold for John Gruden and his defense that he wants to run. My biggest concern for him is just his playmaking skills. He's not a guy who necessarily is the one that ends up with the turnover, but he's always around the football, breaking up passes. I'd like to see him be more have more ability to get the big play, make the big play, as opposed to just breaking up the pass like we've seen from him. My comparison for him is Jaquaski Tart, uh, safety. He does all those things very well. Open field tackling, good at flying up against the run, single high box safety, can do it all. I think that's exactly what we see from here in Trevon, and I think John Gruden's going to love that. Now the 18th overall pick, the Miami Dolphins are on the clock. David, who do you have them take in? I have them going Aziz Ajou... Can you pronounce it for me? Alojwari. Thank you. I'm bad with names. He's got a really great game that I think is going to add a lot of depth to this budding Dolphins defense. Smaller sample size in just his statistics, but I think he's going to add a lot to that Dolphins team in their second pick. He's going to I think he's going to rush quarterbacks very well in a division that has a lot of really talented quarterbacks. Bringing pressure is so important in today's NFL, and he's going to be able to bring a lot of pressure. I like that he still has a little work to do on his technique, and I think uh, the Dolphins in Miami is a really good place to learn some of that technique and uh, get better as a pass rusher. Yeah, I got the Dolphins going back-to-back offensive picks here. I have Christian Dyersow going on the offensive line. I think it's a big gift for the Dolphins at 18, which was a weak spot for him last year, and really to protect Tua. You give him a weapon, you give him a, 
a piece on the offensive line to protect him. I think he got a good thing going. He's got good hands and feet that allow him to drop step quickly to form a good pocket. And his strong hands allow him to hold that pass block and use his athleticism to move him around to form let Tua uh, have some time back there. And it allows him to reach second level if necessary for anything. But he did show a little lack of technique in his film where he uses athleticism and he relied on that heavily instead of actually using footwork to get to where he needed to be. So if he could work on that and, ex- and work on extending the hands more and not allowing the defender to get so close to him and not give him enough time, then I think he could be a really solid lineman there, which was, again, a really bad spot for the Dolphins last year. So I got him going Darisau. Yeah, for me, I have another trade here. In 2017, the Chicago Bears moved up one pick to take Mitch Trubisky. This time I have them hopping the Washington football team who pick at 19 to secure a quarterback that they think can be successful and they think is good value here at the board, the 18th overall, and that's Mac Jones. I have them trading up here to 18, Mac Jones. Won't cost them a whole bunch to hop Washington, but Washington is a worrisome team in terms of maybe they go quarterback. The things I like about Mac Jones is, one, his accuracy. Quarterback completed 77% of his passes last year, which is pretty unheard of in terms of completion percentage. He did that very well. He's not a runner, but he moves very well within the pocket. He's able to step around the pass rush. And then also, when the pass rush does get to him, he takes the shot and is still able to deliver a good ball. We saw it multiple times at Alabama. He's still able to hit his receiver in stride while he gets while he's taking a shot. And one thing that there is to like as well is he's a quick processor. The ball always comes out quickly. He gets through his progression, ball out. And at Alabama, a lot of the times, his first read was open, and that's a knock on him by some people that he always, his first read was who he went to most of the time. When you're playing with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, your first read's going to be open a lot. So for me, it's still a very quick processor, gets the ball out quickly. My concerns with him are he underthrows a lot of deep passes. Could it be because he plays with two very fast wide receivers? Sure. Am I worried about it all that much? No, because Joe Burrow also kind of had the same problem last year, but also Joe Burrow had an other elite traits to make up for it. Another thing is his work ethic. He's a guy that there's been a lot coming out of about him in terms of personality, things like that. Is he really is his work ethic there? Does he want to be the best QB from this draft class? Then also the talent around him. It's hard not to bring that up. Waddle, Smith, playing for Alabama, great defense. Nick Saban is your head coach. It's hard to ignore. And for me, my comparison for him is Matt Schaub, a guy in Houston that accurate, moved well within the pocket, delivered good passes, got the football out quickly. Very quick processor. I think that fits kind of the mold of Mac Jones right now. Could he be better than Matt Schaub? Sure. But for right now, I think that would be my comparison for him. Now we get to the 19th overall pick, the Washington football team. David, who do you have to go in here? Uh, first, I want to just backtrack a tiny bit. That's 2009 passing yards leader, Matt Schaub. <laughs> Put some respect on his name. Put some respect on his name. But for the Washington football team, I have them going defense. Jeremiah Owasu Koromoa adding even more depth and talent to that front seven of the Washington football team. Hopefully they get a name change soon. But uh, you guys mentioned it, just so much versatility there. He can play in a lot of positions on this team. You can put him in almost anywhere. And he has a lot of explosiveness. He's going to make big hits 
and big plays. Something I would like is a little to see him kind of reaffirm that technique, make sure he's wrapping guys up. He has a tendency to miss tackles occasionally. But other than that, he's going to be a really solid addition to the Washington football team. Yeah, I got the football team taking Tevin Jenkins for the offensive line. And I know they just traded for Eric Flowers, but let's be honest, Flowers is not going to be that long-term guy tackle for that team. I think Jenkins gives them an opportunity to slowly work him in, to sit behind Flowers for a game or two and work him into that tackle position. So you don't throw a, a young guy into a lose-lose situation that he just loses all of his confidence. He is kind of raw, but he has really good athleticism for 6'6". And I think Logan talked about it earlier with Slater. He does have short arms, which could cause some problems, but I think that is a little bit overrated. And he does a good job at countering this by being very quick off the edge. And that's something that they could use to that advantage early on and use his athleticism and speed to counter his short arms. And he's really good at getting to the second level. So I think it's going to be a pick here that maybe sits behind Flowers for a little bit or you throw him at right tackle, not throw him into the left tackle position right away. But then he slowly starts to develop and be that left tackle that they need for whoever is going to be starting a quarterback for them in the future. Yeah, for me, I addressed the offensive line as well for the Washington football team. I have Christian Darisaw here at this pick. A few things to like about him. He is very experienced. He's been a starter since his freshman year um, at Virginia Tech. He easily gets to the second level because he is an a- he's a very good athlete. But also what's good about him is he anchors the line. And that's one thing that stuck out to me is his ability to anchor the left side of the offensive line and really help his quarterback out. Some concerns I do have for him or his ability to finish blocks. You see a lot of times he gets there, and then all of a sudden that player is still making the tackle. It may be not right away because he gets blocked at that point, but he still makes the tackle at some point. I'd like to see him finish those blocks better. Then also at times we see the pocket collapse because he's letting his rusher bend him around, and it's pushing his quarterback up in the pocket and collapsing that pocket. I would like to see him become more of a guy who can just kind of push everything out and around his quarterback, keep him protected better. But the Washington football team addresses the offensive line here. You don't have your long-term quarterback in place yet, but you start to build up a team around him. So when you get him, you're able to just start winning some football games. Next pick here is the Chicago Bears, the 20th overall pick. David, who do you have here? I have them not a super flashy pick, but offensive uh, guard Elijah Vera Tucker they need help up front I think their offensive line is just so close to being actually a good unit and Vera Tucker is kind of the icing on top he's got a lot of really good punch up front at that guard position and the versatility to move to uh, the tackle spots if necessary he's very talented overall He has some work to do uh, on his footwork and technique, but just physically, he is huge. He's a big guy, and he is very fast for how big he is. He's going to make a lot of of great push up front for Montgomery, and he's going to really, I think, take the Bears' offense to a next level. Yeah, I got the Bears sitting back here and not finding a trade package, but Mac Jones kind of falls into their lap, and I think they snag him up here. He had a fantastic senior season. You know, he's just a national champ, runner-up in the Heisman, 41 touchdowns, four picks. But to me, it just isn't that flashy pick. 
in my opinion, because he's the pocket passer. And this league is now a mobile quarterback league to where the pocket passer just isn't as flashy as a pick. But he has a great deep ball. You've seen it throughout his college career. And he's got pinpoint accuracy that you need as a quarterback. And like Logan said, he can maneuver his way through the pocket. He's not going to blow you away with his speed. But he's smart enough to move up and around and avoid those sacks. And he's the prototypical pocket passer. And Mack is a guy that sits for a few games behind Dalton or even Foles, whatever the Bears are going to do there. I don't think anybody knows what they're going to do. And we see him step in later in the year, and he fills in nicely. I mean, they have some weapons. They have Mooney. They have Robinson. He's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback in my opinion. But this could be the pick that will either break Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace or it will save their job. So Mac Jones to the Bears at 20. Yeah, I had Mac Jones going to the Bears at 18 on a trade. Now the Miami Dolphins move back to 20 here, and that's who they're selecting. And I have them taking Hameen Davis. And when I look at linebacker from Kentucky here, one thing that stuck out to me was good instincts. He's a guy that trusts his reads. He's always flying through the gaps. He's good in coverage for how big he is. He's a bigger guy, but he's still pretty good in coverage. Shoots gaps with ease. And one thing that I love about a linebacker is a guy who's just always around the football. When you see a, a tackle made in a pile, He's always one of them that's coming off that pile. He's in there making all the plays. That's exactly what Davis does here. Some concerns I do have for him, while yes, he does move in coverage for his bigger size, his sideline to sideline speed is something I'd like to see him work on a little bit. And that is something you can work on. You can improve your speed moving forward. You get with some new coaches, some different uh, NFL guys. They can improve your speed, and I think that's one thing we need to see from him. He relies heavily on his ability and his instincts, so that sideline to sideline speed, if, if he starts not doing so well with his reads, you're going to see him start to struggle even more. And my comparison for him is a former Dolphins linebacker, Kyle Van Noy. He's a guy that's good in coverage, not necessarily the greatest speed, but plays with instincts. And that's one thing you love to see out of linebacker is just play with instincts. And before we get to the 21st pick here, we're going to take our last break here on Sportsmanlike Conduct. When we come back, we will finish our mock draft in the final half hour we have here. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into Sportsmanlike Conduct on KALA HD2 and the 106.1 FM dial. I'm Logan Howell. With me, as always, is David Meyer. And also joining us tonight for our 2021 NFL mock draft is Braden Lavin. And now we're at the 21st overall pick, the Indianapolis Colts on the clock here. David, who do you have them taking? I have him taking Greg Newsom the second. I think overall the Colts have a very talented uh, secondary, but the problem they have is it's thin. They don't have a lot of depth there. Adding Greg Newsom the second, I think he can be their really cornerback one of the future. He's going to play more of a depth role his first couple of years, and he's very versatile, so you can put him in a couple of different spots and he can uh, play very well. He's got good size, good speed, and I think he's going to be a good depth piece to start out for the Colts. Yeah, I have them taking Aziz Ojolari here for the on in the edge. Um, he would be a dynamic piece to add to that Colts defense that was already very good last year. But uh, some of the things on and off the field, he was the first freshman named captain for Kirby Smart at Georgia and he all of his teammates rave about his character and I think that'll be a good for him going into an NFL locker room right away guys will gravitate towards him and he'll be a good leader but he uses his athleticism well off the edge and making open field tackles getting to the quarterback I would like to see him use his natural strength a little bit more when setting the edge because he is such a big and strong guy 
and he just uses his athleticism. So I would like to see him incorporate a little power into his move set. But Ojolari paired up with All Pro DeForest Buckner is a scary situation for teams in the AFC South. So Ojolari would be a really good get here for the Colts. Yeah, for me at the Colts, I have Caleb Farley. He falls down the board after the issues with the back uh, injury he had. He uses his 6'2 frame very well when you watch him play. I love his closing speed in terms of against the run or as well as his makeup speed there. And talking about against the run, he's very physical, comes up, makes tackles. That's one thing I really like about him. And my concerns with him are his injury history, and that's why I have him falling here to 21. The Colts take him. They take a chance on him at 21st. He's top 10 talent that's now sitting at 21 because of injuries. My comparison for him is Antonio Cromartie, another corner who used his 6'2 frame very well, very good against the run. And it's one thing I loved about Antonio Cromartie was he was a playmaker, but he also flew up and had the big hits. He made the big tackles. So for me, Caleb Farley, his comp is Antonio Cromartie. Next up here, we have their division rival, the Tennessee Titans, picking 22nd overall. David, who do you have coming off the board here? I have uh, Elijah Moore. The Titans need some offensive help. They lost some playmakers, Corey Davis, uh, one of their tight ends. And even though they are a very run-first team with Derrick Henry, you need to set up some passing so you can run the ball more easily. And Elijah Moore gives them the ability to do that because they are so thin at the wide receiver position. I haven't taken receiver two, but I'm taking Kadarius Toney. Uh, he's got breakaway speed, four three nine. He's got a good frame at six foot, and he has great hands and catch outside of his body frame nicely. But he only had one really good year of production, which came this past season, so that's a little concerning. I don't know quite the situation if he was behind some good guys, what that was. But his breaks could be better, and his routes look slow at times, but he is very fast, and I think Tony could be a huge piece for the Tennessee offense moving forward especially with David said Corey Davis left Johnny Smith is gone and he I think he steps into that number two role nicely next to AJ Brown who compliments him well Tony the speed guy AJ Brown has speed but he's more of that physical receiver so I think this is a good gift for the Titans yeah for me on the Titans I have them addressing their defensive line adding an edge rusher and Gregory Rousseau here at 22nd overall he's a guy that throughout the process continually started to slip a little bit um, at one point, he was consensus top 10 pick, and now he's, for me, falling to 22nd, and that could be even be a little bit generous for him. He'll have to wait and see how the draft shakes out for him. But one thing I like about him is his ability to play inside and out, and I said that about a lot of defenders tonight, but versatility is so key in today's game. If you're not versatile, you're not going to be on the field. You can't be a guy who can only play on the inside, only play on the outside anymore. You have to be able to play all over. And that's thanks to Von Miller types, J.J. Watt types, who are just dynamic from all over the place. So now everyone's looking to replicate that. Rousseau, I think, is pretty good against the run, especially on the edge, which I think helps him out a lot. But the one thing that sticks out to me is he's his best rushing-wise from the inside. And that's something you don't normally see from a typical edge rusher. And there's one player that comes out, sticks out to me when I think of a guy who's good on the edge in terms of running and very good pass rusher from the inside. And I'll get to my comp here in a second for him. But the concerns I have for him, this season, it was kind of a down year for him. Just kind of a lack of production. I expected more from him. I'd like to see him be able to bend the edge a little bit more. He's not that great uh, rushing from the edge. His work ethic, he's a guy that's been questioned about him. Is he going to be an everyday hard worker? 
My comparison forums, Eric Armstead, guy who's very good against the run on the outside, can rush from the inside as well as a 10-sack guy just a year ago. I think that kind of fits what Gregory Rousseau is going to be. Inside-out guy, good against the run, good against the pass. You just have to move him around a little bit. You have to use uh, his versatility. Also, big body guy, long arms. That just really screams Eric Armstead. Next here, we have 23rd overall pick. The New York Jets are on the clock once again. They took Zach Wilson at number two overall for both of, all three of us. Now who do they take here at 23? They need to protect Zach Wilson, so I have him going Tevin Jenkins, a good tackle that you can uh, plug and play week one. The, he has the ability to be a really powerful run blocker, and also uh, he's solid in pass protection. That's definitely a position of need for the Jets. They gave up the fourth most uh, pressure percentage last year, and if you're bringing in this new quarterback, you need to protect him. Yeah, I got them taking Gregory Rousseau here. Uh, Rob Sala gets his first big defensive draft choice here as his helm at the Jets begin. And like Logan said, he's a big athletic guy. He's 6'7". And uh, he had a down year. He has good stunt work, I think, going from outside to in or inside to out. Logan mentioned earlier he's better from the inside. But... Uh, he gets off balance at sometimes, causing his moves. He gets pushed off his feet. But I think if he can work on his technique, this is going to be a big get for the Jets because when Rob Sala's best defense was in San Francisco, he had good edge rushers. And I think Rousseau can be a really good edge rusher in this league. He just needs to develop a few more moves and work on getting from the inside to the outside and being that true edge rusher. So if he can do that, I think this is going to be a really good pick for Rob Sala and the Jets moving forward. Yeah, for me, I agree defensive-wise. I think Rob Sala gets his defender. And I am going with Jalen Phillips at this point. And Jalen Phillips, out of all these edge rushers, it's funny, both the edge rushers that are my one, one and two ranked have not come off the board yet. Phillips is the first one to come off the board. And also Elojawari hasn't come off yet. But those are my two favorite guys. I think it's because of their athleticism. They're just two very good athletes. Jalen Phillips, he has long arms, inside-out type player. One thing, he's a good speed rusher, good power rusher. I wouldn't say he's elite at either of them. He's just good at both. The biggest concern with him is his injury history. Can he stay on the field and make these plays? Because when he's on the field, he's a very good player. But that's the biggest concern. Who does that remind me of? Long arms, guy who can pass rush from either side, speed and power guy. But you have to worry about him staying on the field. How about Alden Smith, a guy who... It really just fits this mold. Obviously, staying on the field for different reasons, but a guy who went on the field is a dramatic playmaker, but he, you don't know how often you're going to get him on the field. I think Salah takes a chance here on a guy that's very highly rated among NFL GMs, and he gets a pass rusher that he can start to develop of his own because he did get to play with Nick Bosa, and Nick Bosa was one of his favorite players on that 49ers defense. Next up here, 24th overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who do you have them taking? I have them taking first running back off the board, Najee Harris. I'm not a big fan of the move, but it seems like something the Steelers are going to do. They were dead last in running, in running the ball last year, and they need help being adding that dimension to their offense. And I think he's... Harris is definitely going to help in this position, but for me, the Steelers are just reaching a little bit. I'm 
never been a huge fan of drafting running ba- running backs in the first round. Yeah, I got the Steelers taking Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Um, I could see him going running back, but I think they have to address that big need that with Bud Dupree leaving on the edge. Like Logan said, he's kind of slower in his moves, but he has that quick 4-5 speed, so I don't know if it's just him not getting off the ball quickly or if it's him a lack of work ethic, but he is super athletic. I mean, he's a big guy, he runs fast, and he's quick laterally and vertically, but he just doesn't show it sometimes. He has super quick hands, and he can fend off the bigger interior and edge linemen, but he's just one of those guys who doesn't have a ton of starts under his belt. He only has 19 in his career, but with that kind of size and speed, it is kind of a good pick here at 24 for a, a team that lost in a really good edge rusher in Bud Dupree and pairing him alongside TJ Watt. He needs to incorporate that speed move off the edge if he wants to be an elite rusher, but I think he can develop that over time, and I think it'll be a good pick. Yeah, for me at 24, I also have them going Najee Harris. I don't necessarily think it's the best pick for them, but I think it's what the Steelers are going to do. There's a lot to like about Harris. Great power, crazy athletic. I mean, he's always in a highlight reel. Uh, hurdling somebody. Um, he has really good hands. He's a receiver of the backfield as well. He's not just a runner. Um, and if used right in the correct system, like I hope Pittsburgh will, he becomes an offensive weapon. You can line him up. He's not going to be a constant slot receiver type of guy, but he has the hands to play out of the slot. He's a guy that you can use out of the backfield. And my concerns with him are his top end speed and his breakaway speed. When he hits that second level, he at times tends to get caught from behind or if there's a little bit of space where you see some NFL running backs finish those runs off and score a touchdown he'll get caught I think that's something he can work on but the NFL is just going to get even faster I know he played Alabama against very good competition but the league gets even faster I'm looking for a guy good power good hands great athlete and doesn't necessarily have the top end breakaway speed look no farther than Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott he's a guy that Always highlight real plays, hurdles. He's a great receiver, especially his rookie year. He started to become a little bit slow, even more slower now that he's turned into more of a power back. But I think Harris is a very good, if you look at Harris and what he's going to be in the league, a rookie Ezekiel Elliott for me is a very good comparison to what you can expect from Najee Harris. Next up, 25th overall, Jacksonville Jaguars. This is their second pick in the first round. First overall pick, we all had Trevor Lawrence. Where do you have the Jags going here with their second first-round pick? I have him addressing defense. Uh, you guys both talked about him. Jalen Phillips, a really talented guy off the edge. He's just, I think, too talented to pass up at this spot. It's not the most necessary uh, position for the Jags, but... I think he's too talented to pass at uh, 25, and he's going to be a really good addition to the Jaguars. Yeah, I have him also addressing defense, but I haven't taken Trayvon Morig. I think they start to replenish that secondary. They lost Ronnie Harrison a few years ago. They lost Jalen Ramsey. They picked C.J. Henderson last year. They signed uh, Griffin from the Seahawks this year, so I think they start to beef up that secondary with a very good safety he has a big hit stick across the middle and down the sidelines he has the breakaway or he has the makeup speed to erase some of the uh, mistakes that the corners make and 
any good defense has a racing sec, uh, safety over the top that can make up for the mistakes on the corners. His INT numbers fell from 19 to 20, but I think he still has the skill to get those numbers done. I think he'd be a really good piece for the Jacksonville defense moving forward. Yeah, for me, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars going defense. I have them going edge rusher. I have Aziz Lojwari coming off the board here. I love how quick he is. He's so athletic. He can bend around tackles with ease. He's the best speed rusher in this class, and it's not even close. His ability to just go around tackles and bend, it it should be it's a cheat code. It should not be allowed how quick he's just able to bend around the edge there. My biggest concerns with him is can he gain some power moves? I think he can. I do. It's something you can develop within the league. And especially working with Von Miller, or uh, my comparison for him is Von Miller, excuse me. But especially working with those Jacksonville coaches that they have there. He can gain some power moves, and I'm sure he'll be a guy that's at the pass rushing summit that they do every year where a bunch of pass rushers get together and all work with one another. My comparison for him, now I get into Von Miller, and Von Miller is a guy that when he came to the league was a pure speed rusher guy. Sounds like Aziz Olojuari to me, and he gained a lot of power moves as he went, but in terms of just speed rushers, it doesn't get much better than Von Miller. Von Miller's getting up there in age, but he still is one of the best speed rushers in the league. Now we get to the 26th overall pick, currently held by the Cleveland Browns. David, who do you have coming off the board here? I have them going defensive line, Christian uh, Barmore, a very talented guy up front. He's going to be able to stop the run very effectively, and he's also going to uh, bring some interior pass rushing that will be helpful next to uh, Miles Garrett, and he's just going to really solidify the defense on the Browns. Uh, if you have offense going for the Browns, I highly reconsider what you've picked because defense was brutal last year. I mean, Chad Henney, third and 15, if I need to say any more. Uh, they signed Clowney, so, I mean, and they really beefed up the secondary with John Johnson and Troy Hill, but I have them going with Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, um, he was the Dick Buckus award winner last year. I know Logan talked about him a little bit. He's undersized for the position. He really is like a safety playing down the box. He never really lined up on the inside, but he flies all over the field. And he has great closing speed and freak athleticism for the position. And I think that could really help a Browns linebacking core that's not particularly great. Koromoa has to get the fundamentals down for the backer position because he's still, like I said, is it really undersized for the position. But the athleticism and the speed really makes up for that lack of technique and he's great for open field tackles and stuffing the run um, I think that mentorship with Malcolm Smith would be big for him in his development moving forward and I think that could be huge for him in the Browns going forward yeah for me I also have the Browns going linebacker I have them going with Zayvon Collins and what I like about Zayvon Collins is he's an instant guy he trusts his reads at all times very strong linebacker at that and he has very quick burst speed. And that's something that a, you want a linebacker to have. That ability to get from, they normally line up about four and a half yards behind the line of scrimmage. Some great ones line up about three. But some even line up at five. That ability to get from that five yards behind the line of scrimmage to about negative two yards quickly is a key for linebackers. And that's what he does well. Now that leads me to some concerns I have for him. His sideline to sideline uh, side side speed I'm worried about his ability to run with running backs out of the backfield. 
also is a little worrisome, especially if you want a linebacker in the first round. You want a guy who can be a coverage guy as well as make big plays in the run game. So that's my only concerns for him, but I think he'd fit right in with the Cleveland Browns. And now 27th overall here, Baltimore Ravens. This is their first pick in the first round here. They have one more a little bit later. David, who do you have them taking here? I have them going safety, Trayvon Morig. The Ravens are a pretty solid group in their safeties, but uh, Deshaun Elliott is going to be a free agent next season. And something Morig brings to the Ravens is a ball hawk. He's going to get to the ball pretty much no matter what. He's going to go up, uh, tip passes, break them up, or get picks. Uh, over the last three years, Baltimore safeties only have six interceptions, and I think Mo Riggs is going to change that. Yeah, I got him addressing the wide receiver position. I'm taking Rashad Bateman. Uh, he's a big physical receiver that I think is going to complement Hollywood Brown very well. Ravens selected Hollywood Brown in the first round to be their number one guy, and he just really hasn't panned out to be that. So I think Bateman steps in into that number one role right away, and it really elevates Lamar and even Hollywood's game as Hollywood doesn't have to be that true number one guy anymore. He can be the underneath guy. He can be the short playmaker while Bateman's going deep and running those physical routes. He's got really good hands and a good catch radius. He has trouble breaking off of his routes sometimes and beating the coverage deep over the middle. And his pass blocking can be a bit, uh, run blocking, excuse me, can be a little bit of lackluster sometimes. But I think Bateman steps into that true number one and really elevates the Ravens' uh, offense. Yeah, for me, I have Elijah Moore going to the Ravens, wide receiver from Ole Miss. And Elijah Moore, he doesn't have the best size in the world. But one thing that I've learned about the Baltimore Ravens is they like their size and their tight end position, and that's something you saw with Greg Roman in every stop he's had so far. He prefers his size within the tight end position and a strong tight end position and more complementary pieces on the outside at wide receiver, and that's why I think Elijah Moore is the pick here. You have Hollywood Brown, who is a speed threat, and Elijah Moore, I guess you could really say he's more of a speed threat, I guess. Um, not the quickest guy in the world, but... He plays out of the slot. I think this a move for Hollywood Brown to the outside would actually be pretty good for his development because now you have an opportunity to work your speed down the sideline and you're less likely to get a safety over top of you, get bracketed, and take that speed away. So I think more on the inside for Lamar, your two tight end sets you like to run, plus having Hollywood Brown on the outside. I just think that'd be a really nice setup for this Baltimore Ravens offense. We have five minutes remaining here on the show and a few picks left to get to. So we're going to rapid fire through these picks. And the next one up is the 28th overall pick, New Orleans Saints. David, who do you have going? Saints have a lot of problems, but I'm having them add Zayvon Collins. Really talented guy, great athleticism. He's going to be helpful for the Saints. Yeah, I got him addressing linebackers. Well, I have Jamin Davis. He's a physical guy. He's kind of raw at the position, like Logan said, but he's a big presence in the middle. I think he'll be good at stuffing the run and dropping back into coverage. Yeah, for me at 28, I have them going defense as well. I have them going Greg Newsome, cornerback from Northwestern. Worried about Marshawn Lattimore, what's going to happen with him. He got into a little bit of trouble this offseason, contract-wise. Um, a lot of stuff to worry about with him so far. I have the Saints adding a corner, helping that secondary out a lot. Next up, 29th overall, Green Bay Packers. David, who do you have them going with? The Packers finally pick up a wide receiver in the first round, Rashad Bateman. Really big physical guy. Uh, going to be super complimentary for the Packers. 
Yeah, I have him as well taking a wide receiver finally. I have Elijah Moore. He's got really good speed, crisp route running. He has uh, great deception in his routes, giving the illusion he's running the same route every single time. He's going to compliment Devontae Adams very well and give Rodgers another weapon to finally throw to. Yeah, for me, I have receiver as well. Um, I have Kadarius Tony though, a guy you can put in the slot, very quick guy, and I think that's going to complement Devontae Adams the best. You have a, a Devontae Adams on the outside elite route running. Now you have a guy in the slot like that who can constantly get open and has the elite breakaway speed. I think that's something the Packers will covet there with that pick. Now 30th overall, the Buffalo Bills. Who do you have going there? Uh, I have them addressing the edge rusher position, Gregory Rousseau. They really need help up front uh, rushing the passer. Rousseau is just a really big guy, and he has a lot of potential to be that elite pass rusher. Yeah, I haven't taken edge as well. I have Levi on Wuzuriki. Uh, he's got a great punch and extension that sets the edge nicely. He's a big physical guy. He's, his lateral movement can suffer from time to time, but I think he'll be a good edge presence for the Bills. Yeah, for me with the Bills, I have them going running back here. Travis Etienne. Um, adding another elite weapon to Josh Allen's not anything uh, to sneeze at. And also, you look at what the Chiefs did last season. They were an elite offense. They brought in a running back. I think the Bills are trying to copy the Chiefs in terms of stack up your offense, be really good offensively, and then start to work on that defense a little bit. And I think that's kind of the blueprint they will follow. Now at 31st, Baltimore Ravens again after the trade with Orlando Brown to the Kansas City Chiefs. David, who do you have there? Baltimore really needs wide receivers, so they go Terrace Marshall Jr., great size across from Marquise Brown, uh, 6'3", 205, got a really big catch radius. He's going to add another layer to that Ravens offense. Yeah, I have him going edge here to fill the void of Unique Ngakwe that they lost. Um, I have him going Jason Owe. He's kind of raw for the position, but he's very fast. He relies on his athleticism to get around the edge, and I think you know developing some moves and his technique will really be uh, beneficial for the Ravens. Yeah, I have Jason Oway, too, from Penn State. Edge rushers in need for the, this team, and when you look at it, losing both pass rushers, Nagakwe and Judon, they need edge presence on this team. I think they find it here in the end of the first round. I wouldn't be surprised maybe if they move back from 31st into an early second round pick for a team trying to move up, get a little extra talent. But for right now, staying at 31, I think they go Jason Oway. The final pick of the NFL mock draft, 32 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. David, who do you have here? I have them going outside linebacker Joe Tryron. Uh, they really don't need all that much to bring in all 22 starters back. Uh, the only real position they need is some outside linebacker depth and they add it here yeah I got Christian Barmore defense tackle like they need anything else but big powerful guy up the middle to pair nicely with Vita Vea got violent hands I think could be good in the run game yeah for me I have Rashad Bateman going here I know they just re-signed Antonio Brown but Chris Godwin's on a one-year deal you don't know what you're going to get there Antonio Brown also on a one-year deal why not get a receiver under five years of um, control in terms of contract I think that would be a big pickup for them. And, I mean, like you guys said, there's not really a hole there. So why not just continue to add to this offense, give Tom Brady another weapon? That concludes this episode of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. If you're on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, find us at KALA underscore UC or Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Thank you for listening, and good night. See ya.